So this year has been a great year with the sermon series talking about incarnating Christ. Now I don't know about you, but incarnating is a word I never use. Do you guys use that word every day when you're chatting over your dinner? I certainly don't. So incarnating Christ. Christ is this most wonderful person, this this amazing spirit who comes to live in us. And the Bible calls it a mystery that he comes to live in us. And it really is. doesn't make it any less of a truth. It just means that it's difficult to get our head around it, to understand it. But he is living inside of you and he is living inside of me. So when you see this slide at the beginning of every sermon this year, remind yourself what a wonderful truth this is, that Jesus has decided to come and live in us. So this is an important slide. And what we want to do this year is talk more and more about living Jesus out in our life because we have all that we need for life and godliness through his spirit who lives in us. So incarnating Christ is a beautiful term to remind us. He lives in us and he'll never leave nor forsake us. So every time you see this slide this year, remind yourself what a beautiful truth it is. Okay. I'm just wondering how this is all going to work. Papers aren't going to work. All right. Maybe I don't use notes today. So we have been looking at this wonderful power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. And we have been looking at his staying power. We have been looking at his connecting power. We have been looking at his overcoming power. And now in this sermon series, we're going to look at his caring power. So last week, Mark started this sermon series and looked at what it is to be thoughtful, how Jesus, through his power in his spirit in each one of us, empowers us to be thoughtful every single day, even when it's hard to be thoughtful for people who are really difficult. And we're going to go through these six elements of caring power over this series. So we're going to look at how can we be encouraging today? And then in the future, how can we be available? How can we be compassionate How can we be thoughtful, respectful and accepting? Because we can be all those things through the power of Jesus who lives in us. But, you know, before we can be encouraging, before we can be any of these things, but especially this week when we look at being encouraging, before we can even think about being encouraging to other people, sometimes we have to deal with our own discouragement because we all know what it feels like to be discouraged. And it's really hard to be encouraging when you're in a place of discouragement. So we're going to look at this idea of how we can be overcomers of discouragement, how we don't have to be overtaken with discouragement, and how you and I, through the power of his spirit, can overcome discouragement every single time. So discouragement is something that we all share. So no matter whether you're young, no matter whether you're old, no matter whether you're from a totally different culture to me, no matter if your background was very different to my background when I grew up, we all understand the pain of discouragement. It won't take you long just to take a moment to think about Remember the pain from the world, the flesh and the devil? Remember what that felt like? It's often through something that we do every day and that speak words to one another. Words are so powerful to encourage us 
And yet words can also be powerful to discourage us too. You know, they can come from people in our own family. Those discouraging words can come from friends. Those discouraging words can come from people that we work with every day. And even our brothers and sisters can be the ones to deliver the discouraging words. And they hurt, don't they? Because they're the ones we trust the most. They're the ones we let into our lives. And before we know it, we feel like we've been kicked down, bruised, pressed down in a place that no one else can understand. It's a lonely place. It's a horrible place to be discouraged. And yet every single one of us knows that pain. You wonder why Jesus would allow that pain discouragement we have a savior who says to us you don't have to stay there we have his almighty power living right here and if we can access his power we can be overcomers and we can climb out of that discouraging place through his power it's impossible on our own And even if we do it temporarily, we'll be back there before we even know it. And I think what's even more difficult is when you're down and then you get another kick. It's not easy, is it? And none of us know what we've been through this week. None of us know what we've really been through this month. None of us know what's happened this week. But I'm quite sure that given the devil is active He's been having a go at each person in this room. And some of us just keep getting kicked. But no matter how we get kicked or when we get kicked or why we get kicked today, we are going to ask Jesus to help us to show us that every single time we don't have to be on the bottom step of life. He's here to show us that he can encourage us so that we can be an encourager to other people. He's a great God, our God. So last week we looked at the the life of and the story of the Good Samaritan. Mark told us a little bit about what it was like to stand in the shoes of different people in their story. So we're going to return there briefly today. So in Luke 10, verses 33 and 35, we read, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. So it's interesting, isn't it, that when we looked at the Samaritan, we understood and we learnt that the Samaritan represents someone. So who does the Samaritan represent? Jesus. So we understand, if we look at the Samaritan, we can understand a little bit more about Jesus. So the Samaritan, the certain Samaritan, it says, as he journeyed, he came to where he was. So it's significant, isn't it, that this Samaritan, he was on a journey somewhere and yet he stopped and came to where this man was. It's significant that he didn't keep going. It's significant that he said, I'm going to actually give of myself and go to where this man is. I'm going to come to where this man is. I'm going to go out of my way to come to where this man is, which is exactly what Jesus does with you and I. So, you know, when we're on that bottom step... Jesus says, I'm going to come to where you are. I'm not going to leave you there. Just like the good Samaritan said, I'm not going to walk past. I'm going to notice you and I'm going to come to where you are. 
He shows us the heart of Jesus who says, I will come to where you are no matter where you are. He did that when he died on the cross for you and I, didn't he? He said, while they were sinners, while we were in the filth of sin, addicted to sin and a slave to sin, he said, while you're in that horrible place, I will die on the cross for you. I'll come to you where you are. So no matter where you are today or last week or next week, be assured that Jesus will come to you no matter what your circumstances. Like we sung, you know, it's above our circumstances. He'll come there regardless. So the Samaritan is Jesus and we learn that Jesus gives of his time. Jesus gives whatever he can give to us, just like the Samaritan kept giving and giving and giving to this man. So we understand that he came to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers. And who did we learn the robbers represented last week? Satan. The robbers is the devil. The robbers, we're learning all about what it was like to think like the devil, put the devil, devil's hat on. So unlike Jesus, who's a giver, unlike the good Samaritan, who's a giver, the robbers are takers. We learn in John John that the thief only comes... Notice that word only. He only comes. This is the only reason the devil wants to interact with you and talk to you and push you around and suggest things to you. It's only so he can steal, kill and destroy. So don't think there's anything good to come out of listening to the devil or interacting with the devil. We've just got to recognise when he is talking to us because the robber is waiting for you. He's, the sin is crouching at the door. He's a roaring lion We've got to remember that he's out there, actively, only there to steal, kill and destroy, just like the robbers when they got this man. So he went to him, this is the Samaritan, who went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he sent him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. So you can see the Samaritan giving. I will give you oil and wine. I will give you bandages. I will give you a lift onto my animal. I will take you to the inn. He's giving. He's constantly giving. He wants to give. That's his heart. This is, this is the heart of Jesus. He wants to come to us. He wants to cover those wounds because he knows it hurts. He knows those hurtful words. They give out wounds too. You can't see the wounds. But boy, those words, they can really cut very deep wounds in us. And maybe those wounds weren't made last week or last month. Maybe it was five years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Some of those wounds are deep. But Jesus says, I know they're there. I'm here. I want to help. I'm a giver. I'm here to dress those wounds, soothe those wounds. So we continue on. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, which is money, two coins, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend when I come again, I will repay you. So he's a generous man. He wants to give him a deposit, and he says, I'll be back to give you even more. Jesus does exactly the same thing for us. He says, let me give you a deposit in the form of the Holy Spirit. Here he is for you, for each one of you. And then I'll be back where you get the rest of your inheritance. So Jesus is generous, Jesus is a giver and Jesus has given us something so precious because he gives us of himself. But note it's only a deposit, he's coming back and there's even more. 
So Jesus is incredibly generous. Jesus is incredibly compassionate. Jesus is not going to walk by and ignore you, even if friends or work colleagues or family have walked past and ignored you or rejected you or said nasty words about you, maybe to somebody else. Maybe the nasty words don't come to you, but you hear them on the grapevine. So this story of the Good Samaritan, it doesn't just stop and doesn't stop living out because it's in an old book called the Bible. This story goes on and on in our everyday lives, but sometimes we just don't see it. So how does the story of the Good Samaritan look today? And more importantly, how does the story of the Good Samaritan look in your life? We know what it feels like to be on the bottom step. We understand the pain of being on the bottom step. You see, sitting down here is pretty awful And we all were sitting down here, stuck in our dirty, filthy sin, each one of us. And you know, Jesus wasn't angry with us. Just like the Good Samaritan, he had compassion on us. And we're in the middle of our sin, he climbed on that cross, and he said, I'm going to die for you and free you from the sin. So he picks us up. He lifts us up and he takes us, just like the Good Samaritan did, over to the inn. He takes us to an inn called church. He baptises us into the body and he says to the innkeeper, take care of them. I'll give you myself a deposit so that you can be encouraged and you can encourage somebody else. And you know, Jesus gives us a deposit too so that we can be the next innkeeper to help the next one that's on the step that needs encouragement, that needs the power of Jesus to overcome their discouragement in their little puddle of sin. And you know, the devil doesn't just stop there and say, well, you've got Jesus now living inside of you, I'll leave you alone. He's loud and he's brash and he's rude and he's nasty and he's only here to kill and to destroy and to steal your encouragement, your faith, your hope, your love. He wants you faithless, he wants you hopeless and he wants you to feel unloved on the bottom step. But you know what? We don't have to be overtaken. We don't have to be overcome. And the reason we can be sure that every single time we can overcome and we don't have to be overtaken is, you know, that same power, that very same power that rose Jesus from the grave, that very same power that was able to command the dead to breathe, to wake, That very same power that made the mountains move when he spoke. That very same power that made those raging seas calm. That same power lives in you and lives in me. So that power to overcome sits here with us. 
He sits here with us. But we have to access that through faith. And on the bottom step, the devil wants to grab your faith and make you faithless. So we can overcome every attack of the enemy that wants to kill, destroy us, steal for any encouragement that we might have through Jesus because the same power lives in you and me. Isn't this like what it's like in our life too? Isn't this a representation of what happens in every church? Doesn't the devil know that the best place to come and steal and kill and destroy is right in the middle of church where you'd least expect him? You see, we must understand the struggle is not against flesh and blood. When he comes up to us, when we're sitting here in the inn, which is church, and the devil is talking to us all the time, he wants to just chat in your ear and suggest that you start picking a fight with someone in the church, that you start annoying someone in the church. But our struggle is not against the person that's picking a fight with us. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Ephesians 6, 12 makes it very clear. The struggle is against the dark powers of this world, against the spiritual forces, the evil spiritual forces. If we keep looking at each other and trying to lay blame on each other, we're struggling against the wrong thing. It's not flesh and blood. This is a spiritual battle we're in the middle of. And we need the spiritual power of Jesus to overcome this struggle. So he is going to whisper in your ear and my ear to cause discord and disharmony in this church and every church. No, every church is the same. The devil would be happy to enter into any church and, and split it up. But you have an opportunity to overcome we have an opportunity to create a place where there's harmony and unity and reconciliation and peace. And the reason, the reason we can be so sure that we can overcome every nasty little suggestion the devil wants to put into our ear is because the very same power that rose Jesus from the grave, the very same power that commands the dead to wake, the same power that moves mountains when he speaks, the very same power that calms the sea, that power lives in us. That power is right here with us today as we sit, as the devil makes suggestions. We have the power to overcome every attack of the enemy because greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. We can overcome every single attack of the enemy if we remember we're not fighting and we're not struggling against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle we're in. This is exactly what's happening in every place on earth, every country, every nation. It's a spiritual battle. It's not something that's limited to Australia because the devil's happy to take anyone out. Yes, this is the way we want it to be, is it not? Yes, this is what's possible. Thank you, guys. You can sit down. Thank you so much. 
So how do they do it? How come these guys didn't take up the suggestions to fight and bicker? How come these guys didn't have their encouragement stolen away? How come they held on to their faith, their hope and their love? Because they were holding on to Jesus. They were sitting there with Jesus, constantly in contact and connection with the power that will enable you to overcome. You see, they had faith to connect with Jesus, to say, I believe Jesus is with me. I believe that Jesus can overcome. I believe that I can overcome through his power that lives in me. You see, we can have this beautiful place where we as a fellowship can shine brightly in a world that's full of discord, that's full of fighting, that's full of violence, that's full of hurtful words. Paul said when he wrote his second letter to the Corinthian church, he said right at the end, he said in that letter, you can strive for full restoration. Notice the word full restoration. So no matter what's happened before, no matter where you've been, you can strive for full restoration in this church. And God says that to us here too. We can strive for full restoration. We can encourage each other. Just like Paul said to the Corinthian church, we can encourage each other every day, no matter what our background, no matter where we've been, no matter where we're going to either. He says we can be one mind. We can be one mind to all want to strive to lift up the name of Jesus every time we speak to each other, to lift up the name of Jesus through the power of his spirit and speak kind words when everything in us wants to spit out something unkind. We can be of one mind to say that's what's more important here. He says you can live in peace. This isn't just a nice idea. We can actually live in peace individually and as a beautiful group. We don't have to stay on the bottom step. We don't ever have to be on the bottom step. Although life takes us there sometimes because it's not just the devil pushing us onto the step. It's the world, the flesh and the devil all wanting to get us back on that step. So we all find ourselves on the step. It's not like nobody misses the bottom step because we all share that pain. We all understand what it's like to have been there and to be there more recently too. So let's have a look at what it is to be an encourager. Given that the Good Samaritan was an encourager... And the reason the Good Samaritan is an encourager and the reason you and I can be an encourager is because the God of Israel gives us his power and his strength to us, his people. Praise be to God. We have got it. Through his power we can do this. Through his power we can be an encourager in a really difficult circumstance. He can keep us. He can hold us. He can protect us. He can keep giving us the encouragement we need for our lives and more. His grace is more than enough for us. 
so that we can ooze out encouragement to other people. You see, we weren't created to be on the bottom step. We weren't created just to survive through life and hope that it's not too painful before it's all over. He said, no, I I really did create you to be an encourager. You can be an encourager to that other person, even if you don't like them. You can be an encourager, even if in your own situation, it's difficult at the moment. Come to me, he keeps saying. Keep connecting to me. I'll give you all you need to overcome every single discouraging situation you find yourself in. He is there. He is there. He's not angry. He's compassionate. He comes to where we are like the good Samaritan did, with compassion, not anger. He says to us, encourage each other and build each other up. That's what he wants us to do. We have something important to do with our lives, all of us, every single one of us. He didn't choose some of us to have the Holy Spirit live inside of us. He chose every single one who's responded to him. So we all are called to this. We are all called to encourage and build each other up. And we can do it because the same power that enabled the Samaritan to do it, lives in us. So we can do this. We don't have to give up. But we need to protect our faith, hope and love because the devil is out actively and he wants yours. He doesn't want you to have faith. He knows it's more. It's worth so much more than gold. He doesn't want you to have hope. He doesn't want you to feel loved. So every time you feel unloved, every time you feel hopeless, every time you feel faithless, stop and ask the question, have I been connecting with Jesus lately or did the devil maybe get a foothold? Because I can overcome this. He, may have got, he might have got me and he might have given me a bit of a push around on the bottom step, but that's not the end of the story. Because Jesus will come to you where you are. He hasn't given up hope on you. His love is endless. He will keep giving because he's a giver because that's what encouragers do. And he keeps giving to you so you can give to somebody else and then somebody else can give to somebody else. And before we know it, everyone's going, yes, it's only because of Jesus they can keep giving. No one else can do it in the world. But we've got to be that. We've got to incarnate Jesus in our life every single day. We've got to hold his name up so high, even when everything inside of us doesn't want to forgive, even when everything inside of us wants to spit out a hurtful word. I get that. I feel that. We all feel that. It doesn't belong to me, though. I just feel the tug and the pull and the nasty voice that laughs at me, puts me down. So I've got to stay connected to Jesus every single day because it's only his power that will help me to overcome. And I can overcome every single time. You can overcome every single time. Even if today you feel like you're on the bottom step, he will come to you. You'll have an opportunity today to respond to that, to respond to him. So let's learn a little bit about Barnabas. It says in Acts 4, 36 to 37, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. This was his nickname, Barnabas, because this man Barnabas kept 
on giving, kept on encouraging. So that's why they named him this. It was his nickname. This is the very first time they talk about Barnabas in the book of Acts. And the very first thing they tell us about Barnabas is that he sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So the very first time this man is mentioned, we see that he is a giver. Just like the Good Samaritan was a giver. Just like Jesus is a giver. So Barnabas is the only man in the book of Acts that's described as a good man. So we know that an encouraging man and a good man is a giver. They also describe Barnabas as a man full of the Holy Spirit. So we know how he gives. He gives because he has the power of Jesus to help him give. So they say Barnabas, a man full of the Holy Spirit and a man full of faith. So we can be full of the Holy Spirit because Jesus said, I am going to come and live inside of you. But to access that power, you've got to have faith. That faith is like gold. If we don't believe he's there, if we don't believe he has the power to overcome, the devil's got us. He wants to rob you of that faith. He creates doubt in your mind. He creates doubt in my mind. He wants to get to my faith. He wants to get to your faith because he knows the same power lives in us that rose Jesus from the dead. So if that power can actually rise Jesus from the dead, that power can overcome every attack from the enemy. So that's how Barnabas did it. That's Barnabas' secret, full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. So he had the power. But you've got to have the faith to access that power. Otherwise, Jesus is living inside of you, this mystery of Jesus living inside of us, waiting. He's talking to us. He'll be talking to you because he's a giver and he keeps on giving and he loves you so much that his arm is outstretched and he will keep talking to you but he's waiting for us to respond. He's, rate, he's waiting for us to grab hold of his power in faith. What else do we learn? So Barnabas tells us that encouragers are givers. They give of themselves. And discouragers, they're the takers. The robber was only there to steal. So the devil wants to get into your head and convince you, you've got to take. Look after number one. Make sure you take. Make sure you look after you. Oh, don't worry. Someone else will look after them. You look after you. Remember how nasty they were to you? Look after you. He wants us to be takers. But Jesus says, I can enable you to be a giver. Because I give you more than enough. Each one of us can be encouragers even on the bottom step because Jesus can come to us on the bottom step. We need to keep going back and getting filled up so we can be a giver. We need to keep going back and being encouraged so we can be an encourager.
Acts 9, 26 to 27 tells us a little bit more about Barnabas. It says, when he, that is it was Saul who became Paul, came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. This is understandable, that they were afraid of him. So Saul was a nasty piece of works. He used to go into people's houses. He used to grab the women. He used to grab the men. And he'd throw them into prison. I mean, he stood there, Saul, when Stephen was being stoned to death. He held the coats of those who took their coats off so they could take good aim and shoot all those stones at him. He held their coats. And what's more, the Bible says he approved of them stoning him to death. So, Saul, nasty piece of works. If I heard that story about someone that was going to come into our church, I think I'd be a bit afraid too. If I knew the full background, I think I'd probably be a little bit exclusive with them. So, I understand why the disciples were exclusive of them, of him. But is that the, what Jesus wants us to do as an encourager? But Barnabas took him. That takes courage to stand out of the crowd. When everybody else wants to exclude, Barnabas includes Was he naive or silly or foolish or stupid? Let's see. Did he have a good reason for including him? We read, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So he's aware of his background, Barnabas. But he also understands the power of Jesus and what the power of Jesus can do to us, regardless of our background. I mean, if we all knew the nitty-gritty of each person in the room and the background of each person in this room, man, oh man, we'd, I mean, no one would come into this building because everyone's made mistakes here. Everybody's got a background. Everybody's got something a bit yucky from their past. It's just Saul was loud about it. So what do we do? Let's follow Barnabas' example. Let's actually recognise that Jesus has the power to change us because we know our little background. We know all the sins that we committed back then. So isn't it possible that Jesus, through the power of his spirit, can change every single person who walks into our church? So Barnabas did something beautiful. In, in addition to giving, he decided that he was going to look at other people through Jesus' eyes, recognise that Jesus can change people regardless of their background, and he was going to lift them up. So Barnabas kept including Paul, and he championed for Paul, and he kept lifting him up, which is... Impressive, given that Barnabas himself 
could have done all the preaching. He was a very learned man. I mean, he, he knew the scriptures. He knew how to preach and he was gifted to preach Barnabas. But instead of looking at Paul as competition, instead of looking at Paul and saying, well, I'm not going to feel very good if you're doing well and I'm not doing well, he said, no, I'm going to lift you up because I'm an encourager that lifts others up. So Barnabas shows it that to be an encourager, it's to be giving and it's to lift other people up. It's not to put other people down. Encouragers take somebody and lift them up. Discouragers say, how can I put you down so that I can be higher than you? We don't need to be higher or lower than everybody, than anybody else, because we're all the same. We all have a history. We all have a background. We're all on the bottom step. It's only by the grace of Jesus that we're here with him living inside of us. So we're all the same. That's it. No, better than worse, we're all the same. And we all have the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. We all have the same power that speaks to the dead and says, awaken. We all have the same power that moves mountains when God speaks. We all have the same power that calms the raging sea. We all have the same power living in us. So we can be the encouragers. We can exalt Jesus in every single situation we face because he comes to us in every situation that we face. So, in a moment I'm going to play a two or three minute music video. And this is not an opportunity to nod off. This is an opportunity to stop and slow down in this busy life that we live. And it's an opportunity for you to spend a time with Jesus, just you and Jesus. This is just quietly in your heart and in your mind. And I want you to stop and reflect and say, Jesus, show me over the last few weeks, over the last few months, when have I pleased you by being an encourager? Thank you, Jesus, for empowering me to be an encourager, especially in those difficult situations when I really didn't want to. Jesus, when have I maybe been a discourager and been the one to deliver those hurtful words when I really wish I hadn't? And Jesus, help me to stay connected to you because it's your power that I need to be that encourager that you're calling me to be, that he's calling us to be. So just take this time, two or three minutes as the music's playing, for you and Jesus to do a little business together, to talk to him and remember he comes to you full of compassion. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to talk with him. He wants to encourage you. It's beautiful, isn't it, to be reminded that something that we often take for granted every single day, the fact that he lives in us. Every single day, his voice can get very quiet, can't it, in this busy, loud world. And we know he has a still, quiet voice. So we've got to slow down to hear him. So the last thing I want to do today 
is to give a prophecy for this fellowship. So the Bible says that prophecy is for our strengthening, our encouragement and for our comfort. So prophecy is a gift to us that God Almighty would want to talk to us is such a privilege. It's such a beautiful blessing. And this beautiful encouragement is not given in a, um, in a place where the devil can't try and steal that from you. So he will try, I'm quite sure, as I'm delivering this prophecy, he will tell you, ah, it's all just judgment stuff, that prophecy stuff. Well, you might be a bit curious. Oh, I wonder what God's got to say. This could be interesting. Oh, yeah, she needs to hear this. Oh, so does he. Oh, so bad. See, the devil's got some great tricks to get you to block something that's meant to encourage you and lift you up. So, can I encourage you to listen very carefully? I mean, my responsibility is to deliver the prophecy. The Bible says I have blood on my hands if I don't. But it's your responsibility what you do with it. I can't respond for you. I'm not meant to. It's because this is between you and Jesus. I'm just here as Jesus' servant. I just happen to have a voice box to deliver his words. It's up to you what you do with it. I just want to warn you about the discouragement that might block something that's meant to encourage you. So the Lord says to us, CDM Church, return, faithless people. I will frown on you no longer, for I am faithful. I will not be angry forever. Only acknowledge your guilt. You have rebelled against the Lord your God. You have scattered your favours to foreign gods under every spreading tree and have not obeyed me. Return, faithless people, declares the Lord, for I am your husband. I will choose you, one from a town and two from a clan, and bring you to Zion. Then I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. The Sovereign Lord also says to us today, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries and I will bring them into their own land. This is the word of the Lord.